Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Hey friends, Rebecca here. I'm so excited about today's podcast. I'd like to continue where I started last week when I shared you a little tiny encouragement from Corinthians because that's where I'm at right now. I'm in 2 Corinthians 1, and I want to begin where we picked up last week. Last week, we talked about receiving comfort so that you can give comfort. And the next little portion here is verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We place our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. This is so powerful to me because last week I was sharing how Gabe's mom, so my mother-in-love, passed away January 22nd, and how I was comforted, and I began to comfort you guys on Instagram and in Facebook, social media, through some questions you had about death. And then what I read next, because I'm just trying to stay in the Word every day because it is the source, is that this crushing, right? We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. I mean, that's what we call despair. But instead, it's saying, but in fact, we expected to die— But as a result, okay, so here's the thing. If you guys are walking through something really hard right now, if you are thinking, um, wow, this is really, really bad, like my dreams might die, my relationship might die, my passion for my work might die, then he's saying here, as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. And there are things in my life where I'm like, this just needs to die. And the reason it needed to die was because I was relying on myself to build the thing, to produce the thing, to create the thing. And you know what happened? I lost my passion. And so here, this even happens right here in 2 Corinthians. He's saying, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And He did rescue us. Honestly, guys, I have been thinking about this podcast a lot over the two months that we took off. And I was thinking, there's something here that's lost that I want to recover, and I want it—just real talk, for starters. You all know that if you follow me for more than three minutes that I'm a chronic oversharer, and I'm one who likes to kind of engage with you guys in the real-life stuff, the real hard stuff, the day-to-day stuff. And I found that over the last couple years, I started shrinking back from that. I started kind of just putting things out there for you to engage if you wanted to, but I I wasn't really giving you— the real stuff. And there's hardship. There are some things that we don't always put out there. But for me to be true to this podcast as your host, as well as one who wants to steward this community well, I just felt like the Lord say, okay, like give it back to me. Stop relying on yourself. And I don't even think half the time we realize we're relying on ourselves. I think we think we're being strategic and responsible because those are two of my top five strengths. 
But in the end, it's like, God, this is yours. This podcast is yours. This this message of freedom, this rhythms community, it is yours. Everything is yours, and you hold all things together. And it took me a couple months off to just get quiet, to just come back to being excited about that truth, about that fact that He birthed this thing. And everything that He sets in motion, He will be faithful to finish it. So I'm like, okay, God, you're, Jesus take the wheel literally in 22. If Gabe were here right now, he would be rolling his eyes. But it's true. I really want to rely on God's strength in all of this. And so this has been an encouragement for me. I remember a, one last thing I want to say before we jump into the interview. Last week, I was just kind of tossing back and forth in the middle of the night, and I just said, God, what I really need right now is support and encouragement. I was just walking through a heavy season of grief. And I just said, I'm thinking support and encouragement, that would probably come from people. But very clearly, I just heard in my spirit, well, where do you think that comes from? And it was like I was wanting God to kind of bring people around when the the source of support and encouragement was Him. It's found in Him. And the Holy Spirit lifting the pages of the Word of God off the page. And I was like, you're right. It's like I'm going to all these other things for support and encouragement when you're going, no, I'm the source for support and encouragement. So I want to bring His Word into this podcast, just a couple verses, but I want that to be a part of our cadence, maybe not every time, but a lot of times, because I think if this is His story and His message that He's weaving for all of us to grow into emotional health, spiritual health, relational health, vocational health, and let's go back to the source. So today on our podcast, we do have Trina McNeely, like I mentioned earlier, She has a new book coming out called Unclutter Your Soul, Overcome What Overwhelms You. And if the word overwhelm does not resonate with every single person that has lived through 2020, 21, and now 22, um, that is a very poignant message. And she has so much truth in this conversation. You are going to love it. I get a little emotional, tiny bit, tiny bit at the end, because she is like so many of us. Trina's story has walked through deep valleys and long seasons of wilderness, and God has shown her epiphanies to overcome hardship and struggle. And it ties so beautifully with being crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. That's this week's verse. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. And Trina has a story where she wasn't sure, like, how do I keep going? So listen in today. I pray that you take encouragement from it. Listen in here. As you know, with Rhythms of Renewal, one of the most important rhythms we begin with is rest. And rest is the moment we get to spend time with God. It's the place where we recenter our priorities and recognize who we are. And that's why we love the Abide Bible. Too often, we open our Bibles only to feel distracted or confused and sometimes overwhelmed, if we're even opening our Bibles at all. The Abide Bible is designed to help you truly connect with God's Word by giving you guided practices to experience, understand, and apply Scripture in powerful ways. Whether it's journaling or praying Scripture, contemplating a theme or promise, engaging with God through art, or picturing yourself in the biblical moment, the Abide Bible invites you to experience what it means to abide in Christ. Check out the Abide Bible at startabide.com. Welcome to the podcast, Trina. Thank you. This is so fun because we've known Trina and her husband, Stephen, and their family for over 24 years. 
Probably. We we stop counting after it's over 20 because that makes us really old. Yeah, but it's, it's fun for <laughs> us to sit down with someone we know intimately and has been such a good friend and somebody we've watched grow over so many years into your own voice and so many people listening to the wisdom that we've been able to benefit from personally for so many years. Yeah, and we're joking before we came on that we were just going to start out today talking about Steven since he's not here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steven's one of my great friends for many, many years, and so it's been fun to watch you guys' journey, and uh, you have a new book out this week called Unclutter Your Soul, Overcome What Overwhelms You, and this subject of people feeling overwhelmed, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, this is hitting the mark because the feeling that if you were to ask a lot of people right now, what do you feel? They'd just be overwhelmed. They don't even know how to name it. Yeah. But talk a little bit about that feeling of overwhelmed and what that meant to you and how you're seeing that as well show up in people's lives. Yeah. I think it's just such a great catch-all word. And in fact, mm-hmm. as this is coming out, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And oh, I keep yeah. using that word and then I'm like, I have to stop. But then I don't because now I feel like I have a really good process to work through it. But I think overwhelm, you just feel very weighed down. Like it's an internal feeling that is so big, it kind of paralyzes you, mm-hmm. whether it's stress or anxiety or depression or just all the stories and narratives going on in your mind. It's just like a whirlwind storm that kind of clouds up your interview so that you don't function well outwardly. Mm, That's good. I know. I think I was using that word a ton. Well, in 2020, of course, but even into 21, I was like, wait, isn't this going to lift? And it's just, you're right. I think over time, these things pile up. Mm -hmm. And so what we might call anxiety, we might call stress, or we might call fear or fatigue, it just all is lumped like that. Um, When you identified that for you, you just said, I had a process to work through that. Maybe we're jumping to like, you know, to the end of the book right now, but how did you navigate that process and what, what did you discover? Well, I think that I was kind of stuck. (laughs) Um, It's really a three-part process, and it's the three sections of the book, which are observe, own, and overcome. Yeah. And so um, I am a person that learns as I go along, and I was spending a lot of time observing Mm -hmm. all of the problems in my life and all of the things that were making me feel overwhelmed and stuck. And so for a long time, it just felt like nothing was changing. Right. And in fact, some people would be like, okay, it's time to get over this or let's move on. And naturally, I'm a very observant person. But what I found was actually a step to change because when we pay attention, I say paying attention precedes change because we can't change if we don't know what needs to change. Right. And the thing is, is we're all comparing ourselves so much nowadays, obviously on social media. And I think just, in life in general. And when we're comparing, then we think we're supposed to be at the pace of everyone else in our growth process. And that's just not the case. It's really kind of a custom plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So taking, you're really saying the first step is to take inventory. I know we talk about that a lot with rhythms too. It's like take inventory of what's not working. You know, you can do the SWOT analysis, the helpful list of what's right, what's wrong, what's confused. But if we don't start there, like with the feeling of overwhelmed, you are more overwhelmed because you don't even know what's going on. It's just like your mind. And I think this is a neuro thing, right? You just start to feel the fog. You start to shut down. You start to just want to lay in bed all day because it's like, I have so much to do. I don't know where to start. And the first practical thing is start with what you know. 
and that is here's what's going on for me so do you do you invite people to kind of make list of those things what's a way that you can kind of take account of it yeah yeah i like the taking inventory term too because throughout the book i kind of use the um, allegory of home because i believe our inner life is like a living home and so i'm talking about uncluttering your inner life, just like you would go into a room, into the basement, into the garage, in the attic where there's just boxes of junk and you start uncluttering. But until you take a good look at what's really there, and that in itself is overwhelming, right? Like if you open up the attic, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I just like want to, to shut, shut the door. door. <laughs> yeah, shut it. <laughs> but yeah, we have to take inventory of what's really there to see you know, what is going to teach us something, what we need to get rid of right away, what we might need to process through. And so I love that term to take inventory to. And in the book, I've got a link to a template that you can download, a take note template. But really, it's a lot of questions that are very introspective. And I find when you can write down answers, you know, or write down even your questions, sometimes I just list what is going on on the inside of me and then write down questions that I might return to. But when you can see it on paper, it helps to take it out of your mind and out of the inside where it's, you know, fluttering up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's add, to that end. Let's talk about the soul, right? Because you're you're kind yeah. of you're, you're um, using the analogy of home, right? Soul right. would be your mind, will, and emotions. And right. what you're saying is like, let's unclutter that. Would you? How would you define that soul beyond what I just said? And then getting it, like you said, out of your mind and onto the page almost gives you perspective, right? It's not just right, right there in front of you, but it's it's so that you can observe. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, originally this started as the idea of mental clutter. And what I found in my overwhelm was it wasn't just mental. It wasn't just thoughts. It was a lot of emotions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and then your will. And as I got into it, I really started to see that for me, like my mind and my emotions were just completely out of control. And that will element is really important because that's how we can kind of manage those emotions and those thoughts. And I kind of look at the will like, you know, the the business person of ourselves, right? And so sometimes we have to invoke that and get practical with our souls. I mean, when I think of my soul too, I'm very artistic. So it's, you know, it's like filled with wonder, but sometimes I have to get really business-like with my soul and kind of be like, nope, this is... I am going to do this today or I I will do this or this things will change and not get stuck in the loop of... Things how will I never feel. change and yeah. how I feel and you, then your feelings, you know, dictate your actions. And I think that's important because we don't talk about will a whole lot right. when we're talking about mind and emotions. We do talk about our br- crazy brain or our emotional kind of offline. Yeah. But when you really look at the anatomy of the brain, you do have the right and the left hemisphere, but you also have the frontal mm-hmm. lobe. And that that to me is that like self-regulating going, no, even though I f- might feel this way in my right hemisphere and I might analyze in my left hemisphere or sorry, it's the opposite, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to decide with some regulation what to do about it. And I think that's, that's what we need is we, it's like when you said I observe and I write these down, how did that get from that step into owning? Yeah. Well, I will say like, yeah, we have to make decisions. And one thing I learned growing up, my dad taught this to me is that no decision is a decision. Yeah. And so that was like a line I had in my head forever, but I really came to realize that that like me just kind of wallowing in things or taking forever to do things was in fact a decision not to make change. And mm-hmm. so then I kind of went into that own 
section, that own category, where I had to, after taking a good hard look at things, begin to take ownership of all my junk. And, you know, for a lot of people, you're overwhelmed. You might not have caused it in your life. You know, it may be um, something that's happened in your family that you've just been in the wake of or whatnot. That's a lot of my story. And so then I would get into, you know, a victim kind of mindset and I felt really powerless. And I think a lot of people right now feel powerless, you know, coming through the pandemic. So much is out of our control. So I had to get down to the real nitty gritty of what I could own. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it just came down to my attitude Mm -hmm. and, you know, choosing life and choosing to make small decisions for the day. But I had to own that. I had to look at where I was complicit. I might not have caused chronic stress in my life per se, but was I staying up way too late on Instagram or eating yeah, McDonald's mechanisms. too much? Right. Yeah. N- unhealthy coping. What do you like at McDonald's? I like a cheeseburger, a small fry, and a small Coke. Uh, <laughs> She's see? like, what don't it's I like? Small, like a kid's meal? Well, once in a while, I go medium. <laughs> Big Mac? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the stress level. I used to love Well, I will Mac. get a Big Mac once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, then you know things are. Honestly, that Thousand Island tasting dressing. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I can't. It's been a I long know. time. but It has been a long time. But I might have to get one today, Trina. I think I remember you telling me you like the ice like no the straw the, the well they're the best coke in the world <laughs> the you guys well yeah, i'm just McDonald's, gonna tell you, you i ate mcdonald's the other day because i was coming home from the airport after really two really stressful weeks and i never eat like until i'm done flying because i don't like to fly and this was between two flights and i was like this is a bad idea and i opened up the straw and it was a paper straw oh and i was so mad because oh, <laughs> you like cry. the the one with the red and yes. yellow stripe on it. You know, is Gabe. it like thicker plastic? Does it yes. bend? Does it? And it's it's just like a wider straw. Well, it doesn't it's just, bend. I don't oh, think. wider. Yeah, interesting. It's just perfect. Well, anyway, I mean, <laughs> back to these really important things. Yeah. <laughs> she notices. She observes things like a straw. Uh, I do. But one of the chapters when you're talking about this idea of owning it, it's called "Be a Thought Leader," which I love because you know our work with Q Ideas, we're we're trying to help people be thoughtful and. Yeah. But you mean it in in the way of lead yourself by thinking about the right things and not letting your feelings dictate. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier, but that feels to me so important right now in a world where we're talking a lot about mental health, we're dealing with a lot of chaos and trauma for people. And it is easy to slip into that victim mentality. And we could do it. Like you said, your dad said, look, if you don't make a decision, you probably will go that way. What does it mean to start to to control our thoughts more? And what have you learned about thought leadership in that sense? Well, I think that's really where you invoke your will because otherwise your thoughts are leading you instead of leading them. And so for me, that has so much to do with my faith and with God's word. And that's the best way, I think, is to lead your thoughts, to to look at what you're thinking and how does it line up with God's word, you know, and he tells us to um, think on on lovely things and good things. And that's hard to do when everything around you might be dark and bleak or you're living through, you know, this pandemic and all of the hard things. But Mm -hmm. that's when you have to really put yourself in the way of beauty and lovely things and and lead your thoughts. And sometimes for me, what that means is speaking God's word. Because the way to interrupt your thoughts mm-hmm. is to speak. And I the Bible agree, says 100%. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes we have to hear ourselves speak his word in order to lead our thoughts. This is crazy. So I am off caffeine uh, for six oh. days now. Woohoo! 
I didn't never know. thought I would see that happen. <laughs> but because I can, I can lay awake, you know, three, yeah. three to four a.m. and ruminate, you know, the yeah. thoughts. Because obviously, I don't want to talk out loud. Gabe's asleep, and I don't have the energy to get up. So I'll try to pray. But at some point last night, I was like, okay, I'm going to just say something very softly because mm-hmm. I couldn't keep my thoughts focused on what I wanted them to be focused on, which was gratitude, which was surrender, which was, you know, presenting those requests to God so that the peace of God would guard my heart, right? So it's like thinking the scripture, but you're right, even saying it, it overrides whatever your brain is doing. I did kind of hear you whispering. <laughs> did I? Did you? I couldn't really? hear what you were saying, but I, I thought you were praying. I was, okay. but I was actually trying to pray without talking, like in my head. And right. after a while, well, we I'm have like, our noise machine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I am trying to get better at that because yeah. I think you're right. What one thing you Scripture has an answer for all of this, right? And yeah. I love that you keep bringing things back to that because you're like, how do I, well, how do I lead my thoughts? And then you go right back to well, Scripture says, whatsoever is pure, lovely, of good report, think on these things. So that's how you lead. You just will yourself to go. I'm going to think on these things, no matter how hard the circumstances look in front of me, no matter what my emotions might be spinning out. And I I have found that that will is so much stronger then we give it credit for. Yeah. If we just decide we're going to exercise that. Yeah. Yeah. And that came to me like, you know, thinking shower moment. And through this whole process, like all of these old songs that, you know, I sing in church growing up that I just have been packed away for years. But I'm kind of finding like in uncluttering my soul, like good stuff gets, you know, unpacked too. And so I was having a really hard time and I don't know, I was in the shower and the old song, um, This Is The Day That The Lord Has Made came Mm -hmm. up, which I mean, I just kind of, that was just like a kid song when we were little. but. I, it just came up in my spirit, so I just started singing it, and then I got really stuck on the part that said, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and the Holy Spirit just kept having me say, I will, I will, mm. and invoking my will to yeah. choose to mm-hmm. rejoice and be glad in it, yeah. so even in the hard times. So yeah, we have to, to use that will, and we can lead our thoughts, and the Bible says we can take captive every thought, so... We, and how do you do that practically, taking it captive, by speaking something different? I do, yeah. You know, and even to, I mean, to get practical, and I know there's like research behind this, which I don't know it exactly, so I won't say it. But like, you know, sometimes even when my mind is going wild, like water helps. Like I will go and take a shower or even run my hands under warm water and the sound of water, you know, can kind of interrupt your mind. Um, I had to do that today. My mind was ruminating and going crazy and I wasn't going to wash my hair. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to wash my hair because I just want to hear the sound of water. And I did that and prayed God's word at the same time. Yeah. And, um, it I think really that's why I think so well in hot tubs. A lot. <laughs> you have such epiphanies. A so much epiphanies yeah. in a hot tub. No, I actually shower in the morning and night, and not because I yeah. obviously need to shower again in the morning, but yeah. I do think it clears my head a little bit of like, okay, what is happening today? Yeah. What am I, you know, what's on the agenda? Um, okay, let's jump to overcome because mm-hmm. we can observe and own and, and use our will, but the overcome feels for a lot of us like, is that a one and done? Is yeah. that a daily thing? Yeah. What does that actually look like? Because for a lot of us, that can feel far-reaching and maybe right. an overstatement. I know <laughs> to overcome, right? Because it feels like it needs to be an elusive arrival. That's what I thought, but what I've discovered is it's not. Because there's always going to be things that we 
can continue to overcome. Like overwhelm will just keep coming. I'm sorry to say, but yes. it will. Yes. So in I, this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah. I ignored that one for a long time. I know. Um, but I look at it in two ways. One, we have to realize we are overcomers. Like it's who we are. Um, you know, John 15, 4 says our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So it's who we are in Christ. But we're also overcoming. It's a process. It isn't that elusive arrival. It's something that we do. And when we take action um, to overcome, we're overcoming in small ways mm. every day. And I think when you look at it that way, it isn't so daunting and you aren't so overwhelmed. So each chapter in this book is like an action item. And I did that on purpose because I was stuck so long in that observe section and in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I am a person in my head a lot. So, but when I start to take even really small actions and sometimes write them down to see like, oh, today I did this, this, and that, then I can see I'm overcoming. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is a continuing thing. And it I think is. that kind of ties back into the idea of abiding and remain. Yeah. That as you remain, you're going to continue. Those things are going to surface, those thoughts, yeah. those temptations, those desires, uh, distractions. But then the quicker you recognize them by observing yeah. them and owning them, then you just remind yourself, I am made to overcome. That's and right. that happens on the regular. Yeah. And for me, that has to be – I, I wish I had a, like a longer, you know, window of tolerance mm -hmm. to go through that process that I just said when I'm yeah. like having conflict with one of my kids or yeah. maybe condemning myself from something that happened. I think it's like increasing that bandwidth to just let ourselves process before we react. Right. I think sometimes the reaction then shames us back to like, oh, I haven't overcome anything when, when that's just not true. That's right. We just need a little more like margin mm -hmm. to give ourselves grace to to go through that. Hey friends, I'm so excited to talk to you about Pine Cove Summer Camps. Joy loves this camp. We trust Pine Cove. They have an incredible college staff and that every child at camp not only hears the gospel, they see it lived out all around them through the college staff and their community. So we're so excited to announce that Pine Cove has over 50 years of experience and they are bringing this Christ-centered, other-focused camp with so much fun to a new overnight youth camp in Georgia serving fourth through eighth graders. So you can start a new summer tradition for your child at Pine Cove. I started overnight sleep camp at fourth grade. I feel like it's a great time to just test those little independent wings and see how that goes. So if you check out pinecove.com slash springs and use the code rhythms250, you'll get $250 off your first time overnight youth camp registration with Pine Cove Springs. Again, go to pinecove.com slash springs. All right, I want to talk practically because Trina, you have this amazing gift at design and <laughs> taking spaces and making them beautiful. And for those who don't know you, they might realize you wrote a book called Unclutter Your Soul, but that that process for you began with you learning how to like unclutter physical spaces. And I want you to draw some connections for yourself between like when you design beautiful spaces, what that does for you. Because I think for our listeners, that's the beginning of getting into this heart work that you're talking about, yeah. this soul work started in the physical space. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, Talk about Lala Lovely. Yeah. So my first book is Lala Lovely, The Art of Finding Beauty in the Everyday, which really spun off of my blog, Lala Lovely. So for a decade, I was, you know, writing about design, but also matters of the heart. And so for me, beauty was an answer to pain. Mm. And so... Um, 
before I got into this uncluttering process or at the precipice of it, you know, I just spent a lot of time kind of taking, you know, I lived in my childhood home. I write about that in La La Lovely for like 11 years. And so I undecorated the home right, as an adult. You, you like bought the home yeah. for your family. From yes. Your right. With your kids and your husband, you yeah. lived in your childhood home. Yes. Which I didn't want to do at first. That's, but. Really, that's really cool though. <laughs> I know. So, and so she got to undecorate. And yeah. Then- I undecorated um, and debrownified. I called it. It was a lot of brown. And yeah. so What I color just- were the appliances? Well, you know, the kitchen was fine because my mom had redone it and never used it. Oh, okay. So they were stainless. So I, I couldn't complain about that. But debrownify, though, I'm laughing. I know. Well, those cabinets were brown and I couldn't change them because they were brand new. But, anyways, I went through, you know, with paint and made everything white and bright and just kind of, you know, slowly made changes and made it into my own. But I think in that process of doing that, um, you know, I was able to make a space beautiful and change something that I had lived in since I was a little kid and see the process of change in that. And then then it began to kind of go into the internal work and changing in me when I left that home. Yeah. Or was in the process of leaving that yeah. home. Then it then it was the decorating had to stop. And I think that's what this book, when we talk about own, I actually write about how um, you know, own is a a little petite word that packs a lot of punch. Um, my dad owned businesses. My husband owned businesses. I get what it means to own, but I learned what it truly means when I no longer owned my home, and mm. that was hard for me to leave that home. Um, but it was a season when the Lord said, "You know, you're going to own your inner home, and you're wow. going to decorate your inner home, and that's the only space yeah. we're going to work on design wise." And you and your husband, Rebecca, and I are, have been so excited this whole year because you moved your family to Franklin from Rockford, Illinois. Yeah, and I know there's some people listening. Franklin's one of those cities. There's several of them in the country that has just experienced incredible growth over these last couple of years. But for you, I mean, this was your hometown, and I know for other people listening right now, yeah. they've had to go through these kind of transitions, and they're not easy when you leave right. everything you knew, yeah. friends, relationships, schools, church, and you transplant into another community. Would you share a little, like, what's that journey been like for you these last six months? Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a long journey. You guys know that because you've mm-hmm. you've been on it with us and you've been asking us to move here yeah, for like, like years. What's it going to take? <laughs> oh, COVID. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was such a process leaving that childhood home and then we were kind of in an in-between home just renting for a while and we just kind of knew it was coming even before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And remember we came here and we were thinking about moving a couple years ago right before COVID. And I thought, oh, this is it. And then it was like, no, this isn't the right time. Yeah. So then it just happened to be, yeah, mm-hmm. this summer. And so it was a good process. I think any time before that, as much as I wanted to, and you guys wanted us to, it would have felt like kind of like running away, which I wanted to do. Yeah. And I write about that a lot too in the book. That's a nice coping mechanism of mine. Um, but it was kind of like, no, we're going to work through these things first and and then move. But it's it's been good. It's been hard, but really good because I've known that it's right and it's a new season and a new time. 
But yeah, it's just the familiarity um, aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in a town my whole life, but first I had to start peeling that away, leaving my childhood home and just things changing in my family of origin. And then I, you know, I'd kind of get a little bit of strength or, you know, a notch in my belt. And then it was like, nope, we're going to keep going on that. And now we move and so you felt, you felt release and, but you know, you just turned 40 something Something. (laughs) and, and, and I think that, um, for other people, like what, what have you experienced now just a few months into like, okay, we're starting over at this stage of life. My kids are a little bit older and I'm having to like make friends again. Like, you know, those kind of things are super hard to do at our stage of life, but what's been the hopeful side of that for you? Just, just starting fresh in a new community. Yeah. Well, I think just a new beginning. And for me, you know, there's just a lot of things um, tied to the town I grew up in, which I still love and always will. But I love having fresh eyes, like everything is new here Mm -hmm. and different. And I don't have, you know, hard memories attached to anything. So that's great. But I think the community element, and I don't have, I wish I had amazing wisdom for that because you guys have made that a lot easier for us and introduced us to people. And, um, but I would also say like the neighborhood we're in, it's all new people from all new states. And so everybody's really relying on each other. And so I'm not a person that goes out and talks to everybody. I'm an introvert. That's my husband. But now I'm having to (laughs) do that. But now he pulls you into that. Yeah, I'm doing that. And so I would just encourage people to do that and to just talk to your neighbors and to put yourself out there and just be the friend that you want to have, yes, as we both as, say. <laughs> yes, you all know when I reference my book, my um, in Rhythms, I talk about be the friend you wish to have. And that's the quote from right here, Trina McNeely. Um, she told me that years ago, right when I had moved here, you gave me that advice and you have always been that for me. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, well, there's a couple things because you have overcome a, a lot. And I think there's something to be said for like the metaphor for leaving home. Like I think a lot of times we'll let our physical home be the counterfeit for our inner home. Yeah. So we'll like keep redecorating and we'll keep, you know, and the beauty does do something. You know, I'm, I'm always like outer order brings inner order. Yeah. And so I might obsess about, you know, closets or design or things, but it's really also when it becomes compulsive, it's it's attached to an unrest in my inner home. Yeah. And I think you do such a beautiful job of like, you're right, you didn't want to leave in, in the circumstances that you had to leave, but in that you really did have to get honest yeah. with your inner home and we talked about this years ago about this idea of that home is wherever God is, right? Yeah. Like He is our home. He makes His home in us. And it's not that He doesn't want us to design and create and cultivate beautiful spaces um, to nurture our hearts. Absolutely. He is about space. Um, but also, I think, making sure that we are honest with ourselves about that, that inner life. And and you, I have watched you walk that so diligently, so faithfully through adversity for a long time. And it is just beautiful as your friend to just see that come out. And this expression of this book, I'm going to gush because Gabe got to take a lot of time because he really likes you too. And then we're like <laughs> fighting over who gets to ask you a question. But um, 
I think this book is a comprehensive healing journey that you offer to us, the readers, as a gift that was labored in love, and it was very costly for you. And I cannot recommend it enough for those of you who listen to this conversation. She's a wealth of wisdom. There is always, like, scripture that just comes right off the tongue. Like, she can't not, because she has abided and she has remained, and the Lord has given her freedom in overcoming. So if you're looking for that, if you resonate a lot with her words, the truth that comes on these pages and in this conversation, definitely get this Unclutter Your Soul book. Um, you will not be sorry. I come with like a like rousing endorsement. <laughs> not just because she's your friend, but she's a beautiful, no. beautiful writer. And um, I do ag- completely agree, like your journey. And every time an author writes like this, like the memoir of learning and sharing with the world, like your most innermost private experiences that most people never say out loud. And when you have a whole book chocked full of those kind of learnings and experiences, it just invites all of us in to grow and learn and heal. Yeah, we didn't even get to the topic of addiction. You cover that um, comprehensively in the book and and within like you just family, extended family, whatever. But we want to make sure that if you guys are struggling um, in home, the inner life, maybe in your immediate family, Trina has a wealth of wisdom for you. So thank you for being here, friend. Thank you. So proud of you. Thank so thankful you. for you. Love you both. So Love much. you too. hope you loved that conversation. Make sure you grab Trina's book. And I want to take the last couple minutes of this podcast to answer some of the questions you guys have sent in from last week. The first one is what we could possibly call a hot topic, (laughs) but it's how do you deal with all the turmoil in today's social media and politics? As some of you know, I don't talk about this much, but when I do, it's with a grace to hold that there are two sides, and I think we are supposed to be carriers of the gospel of peace. So my response is this, that we need to cultivate friendships on both sides, and we must ask a lot of questions. And then practice empathy. And what is empathy? Empathy is putting yourself in that other person's shoes. They have their own story of pain and struggle or or belief. Um, everyone's position comes from their background, so it helps to know those stories and accept that we are not going to agree on everything. And it's okay. We don't have to get mad about that. We don't try, have to try to persuade or convince. We can actually listen and sit in it and say, oh, I'm really sorry for that pain. I, I can see why this would you would feel this way. I can see why you would feel this way. Hey, that's just very liberating to be able to say. Another question that came in is, how do you know when God is talking to you and it's not just your own brain or desires? And here's one thing I've learned. Here's my answer. Um, Over the years, when God prompts me to something, it keeps coming back around in conversations with people and doors that continue to open. So God, I kind of call it like sand in my shoe. It's it's this irritant that I can't shake. And it always uh, requires—God's invitation also requires a commitment to trust and usually requires some level of risk or sacrifice. So if God's saying He wants you to win the lottery, yeah, maybe, but what if He's saying, hey, I actually want you to lose your life so you'll find it with me. So like, He's asking something that requires faith, always. And then this is the last question. How can I become more compassionate? 
I seem to get frustrated with others so easily. (laughs) I was like, oh, really? Asking for a friend? Because I understand this question. Frustration became a word in our house that seemed like an acceptable emotion. But really, here's what I want to unpack, is that frustration is just a small, micro, passive-aggressive version of anger, right? And anger is still okay. It's when it becomes sin. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. So anger is is a real emotion. And I want to give you a little understanding of anger. Anger and aggressive frustration is a cover for longing that there's an unmet desire that stays below the surface. So get honest with yourself and your loved ones about what is lacking. And once whatever it is that is missing is exposed, you can start finding proactive ways to address those needs all around. So I hope that helps with some answers for today. Send in your questions again for next week, RebeccaLyons.com, and we will see you then. 